Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And we are happy to have you guys back with us again. We're going to jump into a financial conversation and we're going to be touching on a little bit of real estate today. Not something that we have talked about a lot on the show, but it's something that I think needs more attention. And today we are joined by Jamisa McIver, not MacGyver, McIver with just an R, no G. And she is going to talk to us about how she built her real estate empire by the age of 26. Yes, she has a real estate. She has income producing real estate. All the stuff that you hear people talk about, she's doing. She's not talking about it. She's actually doing it. And I am happy to have her on the show so she can share some of her secrets with us. So welcome to the show, Jamisa. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I think this is going to be a great conversation. I'm excited. I couldn't wait for this. We actually ended up talking a little bit before the show last week. And yeah, you guys are in for a treat. I know I say that. I always tell the listeners that so you're in for a treat. But every time, I mean, I feel like I'm just like a listener because when we're having these interviews, it's just a conversation and I'm finding yeah. out about what you do just as they are. So I'm excited. But this time I actually got to talk to you before. So yeah, and it was fire. Yeah, like it, it was, it was, it was like, like, hi, we yeah. We could have recorded that one. But, you yeah. know, so tell the listeners a little bit about you. Give them a little bit about your background and who you are and what you like to do when it comes to the real estate. Okay, well, I'm Jamisa. I'm 26 years old. I am a wife. I am a mother of four little people. So I have a two-year-old, four-year-old, a six-year-old, and a newborn. Mm -hmm. And I am a real estate investor. Mm -hmm. So I currently own 23 properties, all of which I purchased in cash. I do have one mortgage. But so 22 properties debt-free, one of them I actually really have a mortgage on. And what I do is I teach people how to invest in real estate. Literally, I am the poster child for generational wealth. So hold on, so hold on, hold on. You got 22 houses. Let's just say the number. 22 20, houses. 23. No, no, 20, I was going to, 23, 22 of them that don't debt have debt-free. So that's just mailbox money. That's just all me. Yeah. So, then I have a mortgage, so. But I used to like be able to say, I have 20-something properties, no mortgage. And then as I started to grow and grow and grow, it became really cool. And then when the mortgage hit, I was like, oh, I've got one mortgage. So I got to make sure I let them know. You got to keep it clean. <laughs> you got to, you know, tell the truth at all times. So yeah. That one little mortgage got a little stain on the white cloth, but that's okay. This is crazy. Like the 23 properties. So go ahead. And I didn't even, I, sometimes I just jump in. I shouldn't have jumped. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, Keep fine. talking. Keep talking. That's literally what it is. <laughs> so I take people from all walks of life and all ages and pretty much teach them how to build real estate portfolios of their own from scratch. Literally, wherever you are, you can start. So I am the person who just like clears the smoke off the mirrors. Okay. You know how to say everything is smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. People are under the misconception that you need a ton of money or that you need a really high credit score or that, you know, real estate is much harder than it actually is. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I break down that and I teach the real estate game in its most simplest form, literally. And I got really popular amongst new investors and it's just been doing a thing. I've been doing it since I was 19 now and I'll be 27 in about a week or two. What's the 18th? I think that's in two weeks. Three weeks. I think three weeks. Three. Yeah. Who's counting? Four. My birthday yeah. is coming. Some, yeah. My you, birthday all something. It's birthday yeah. month. It's birthday month. Birthday what month. are you talking about? It's birthday month. Hey. Early happy birthday to you. And thank you. 
I'm sitting here still like, and I know as the listeners listen, it's just like she has 23 houses, only has one mortgage, receiving all this money. Like, well, first, like, I know they want to know the how, but let's talk about the why. Like why, you know, in today's show is going to be focusing on investing in your future, investing in your future. That's what you need to be doing, listener. You need to invest in yourself. So what? Absolutely. That's our slogan for the company. You are your greatest investment, literally. I like that. I like that. You are your greatest investment. We might even name the show that. We'll see what comes out at the end. So to me, I know you're going to tell us the how. You're going to give us all the details about the how you did this. But why is this important? Like one, why did you even start doing this? That story has to come out. So we want to talk about that. Tell us the story about how you got into this. I want to, first of all, you said why. Yeah, why? I want to change the narrative and just say like, why not? Literally. Okay, real estate is everything anyway. I think mm-hmm. we talked about that. From mm-hmm. the moment you are born, a building, that's a hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you were born at home, mm-hmm. it's a building, it's a hospital. Even if you were born in a car, you were driving on the road to the hospital, somebody owned it. They own every single piece of every single thing that we take part in. From the yeah. food we eat, which is agriculture, that's land. When we die, we're buried. Real estate is the one thing that like, we partake in every single day, either consciously or subconsciously. You live somewhere. Yeah. All the time, right? So when we see that that makes such a big part of our life, it's like, why not have a piece of it? Yeah. Like, I feel like you don't own what you don't control. Now, for me, like I said, I started at 19, but really my start came maybe 18 or 17. What ended up happening was I've always been really responsible. I'm the oldest of 10 siblings. I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. I didn't know about 10 siblings. Because right? <laughs> they will find out. Yeah, they're like, which one did you miss? I don't know. I'm not going to say you guys' name here, but I'm the eldest. I'll say that. So I've always been really, really responsible, you know, making sure everybody was okay. Everything's in line. I'm like the drill sergeant. And I was raised by my grandmother, my great grandmother, both of them together, pretty much. One day, my grandmom asked me, if something was to happen to me, what's going to happen to my house? Now, me being me, I got it. I'll take care of it, whatever. Not really knowing what that actually meant. But I feel like, okay, I can do this because I take care of everything else. I take you to your doctor's appointment, your food shopping. Like I said, I got it. It can't be that serious. Yeah. So she held me to that. She signed my name on a piece of paper. She added me to her deed. And that was okay. It meant nothing to me because she actually lived in a property. So I didn't have to do anything except what I was already doing, helping her with the minor stuff. And then a year after that, she passed away. Mm-hmm. So maybe two years after that, she passed away. So at that point, it became a little different. So where those minor things for me, I was now an official homeowner all around the board. Like I'm 100% owner of this property. Mm-hmm. Texas maintenance, deferred maintenance, (laughs) leaks, squeaks, whatever. It was Mm -hmm. like a real thing. It kind of dropped on my head because I didn't know all of what was involved with being a homeowner, right? So my first thought was, because I lived somewhere else, I was paying rent. My first thought was, oh, I got a free house. I'm going to move in it, right? And then I moved in it. I was like, girl, I'm stuck up plastic on the couch. Well, come on. The drop cylinder with the panels on the wall. I'm like, I got to fix this, Mm -hmm. right? So that was my first intro to real estate, just learning how to fix a house. It was the hardest thing ever. I was a cashier at the time. I did not have a ton of money. Very resourceful, but it still was hard, even with that, because I had people telling me, hey, it's going to take 30000 to get this together. This is broken. This needs to be fixed. I'm like, yo, she lived here. It couldn't have been that bad. They're like, no, literally, yeah. you got to fix this. I'm like, dude. So it was a thing. And then they were like, yeah, but one thing that was consistent is that they were telling me, look, I'll buy this from you right now. Like, mm-hmm. no lie, I had a contractor try to walk me to his truck to write me a check on spot. Oh, wow. But 
since I was a cashier, we don't take personal checks at the market. I don't want your personal check either. They bounce. I was smart enough to know that. Yeah. So I did see like a thing. There was a pattern of everybody like, yeah, this is too much for you. Let me get it. Come on, you can't handle this. Let me get it. Like everybody, almost everybody who I talked to wanted to buy this house. It was a no for me. Now at the time, she had a neighbor who a few years prior to that wasn't a neighbor because the house was a vacant lot. And a few years before that, the house was an abandoned property. But here we are at that present moment. The guy is there. Three-piece suit, cufflinks, like, well-shaved guy. Living yeah. next door to my grandma. Mm-hmm. Three-story, rooftop deck. His house looks like all the other houses on the block that were once abandoned and vacant lots. Mm-hmm. I wasn't paying any of those things. Any mind. I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, oh, look, they're fixing stuff. So naive and gullible. <laughs> so he pulled me to the side. Because he used to look after the property for me while I was going and everything. So one day he pulled me to the side and he's like, listen, I can refer you to the realtor who helped us purchase this house that I live in, you know, because it seems like it's a lot because he saw a lot of the family disputes that were going on mm-hmm. back and forth. He was like, I know that you have best intentions mm-hmm. because I see you working hard. Maybe you should just cut your losses or sell it. So at the time, I'm like, you're right, because they are stressing me out. These people are not fixing it. I don't have $50,000 to put yeah. into it. Yeah. All right, cool. So he gives me the realtor number. And to my surprise, the realtor said, hey, we're going to list this for, what did he say? I think he said 100000 Oh, wow. Like, we're going to list it for 100000 which was crazy to me because everybody who came kept telling me, oh, it needs so much work. It's only worth this. You're not going to get more than that. It needs so much work. So when the realtor said 100000 I was like, okay. Now, I don't really know what a realtor is. I just know that a realtor, obviously, you're going to help me sell a house, but you have a company connected to you. So I felt a sense of trust there. So although I didn't know you, it was better than taking a check from the back of somebody's truck. Yeah. So um, I went with it. We signed the paperwork. We put it on the market. Within one week, we were at a bidding war. <laughs> Listen. And it's still, mm-hmm. nothing in my mind was like, hey, why is it a bidding war? Why do people want this that bad? I just like, oh, bidding war, this is fun. 152000 Cash offer. Seven days. I was like, take that one. That's the highest. He said, which one you want to do? You want to wait? I was like, wait, 150 No. Give yeah. me that. <laughs> right? And it was murder she wrote after that. I feel like we closed in two weeks. The property was debt free. The title came back clear. It was nothing that needed to be done. We met at the title company and I signed the paperwork and I got $152,000 and I was about to turn 20 years old. Hmm. I know. Ain't that crazy? Yeah, but there's more to this story. Tell us the other side of the story. Tell us the rest All of right. it. Don't stop there. This is the good part. Oh, no. I had to let it <laughs> marinate because usually that's where the questions come in. There. Like, wow, you 20 with 150. Yes, I was rich. That's what happened. Oh, you was balling out. So you want to go get... 152,000. You know, balling out. Rich. You didn't go ball out. You didn't go get, you know, you didn't get nothing. You didn't go oh, buy some so no. Nah, I'm a real responsible person. Like, even now, with my status on where I am now, I am a high, well... I'm going to say, I'm a seven-figure earner. I won't say hi, because I don't want people to like, ooh, can I get a dollar? But yeah. I make a substantial amount currently, and I'm still really conservative with my money. Mm-hmm. Like, I buy stuff. I got 38 shares of Tesla the other day. So I do spend money, but I spend it on things that just make sense. Mm-hmm. I had a sense of, I feel like I'm going to just say something to prove, because that's still with my grandma's health. Yeah. So I wouldn't have sold it in vain. And in my mind, I said, okay, so... If one house got me that much money, let me just buy more houses. Because the idea has always been stability. Like, it was never get money and go crazy. Even as a cashier, I had bought my first car from my cashier salary. I saved my little checks, and I was making $6 an hour. But I bought a car off of this. I always really had a good mindset with that. So, no, actually didn't blow it. I didn't blow out of control. 
You didn't no. do what a 19 year old is expected to do. Typically would do. No, I didn't. That first year I bought nine houses. I literally spent almost every dollar I had until I couldn't spend anymore. I got down to maybe $15,000 or $10,000 out of the one fifty two. But I was nine houses strong at that point. And I was like, okay. And during that time, because it was literally crash test. But right after settlement. Okay, you got to remember, we're out here in California. So when you say you had $152,000 and you bought and nine, nine houses, houses, talk to us about that. Because those numbers don't jive out here. You can't get one house out here in California that's for 152000 That's what you think. That's what you think. So, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I actually bought a house for $500. That's my cheapest house today. It was $500. And I bought a seven unit for $2,000. That was all possible through auction. And believe it or not, California has auctions, okay? And your opening bid at your auction is $1,500. Hmm. You have to put down the $5,000 deposit to get in. But you guys do have. So I just feel like a lot of people, when they're discouraged by real estate and numbers, they're looking at everything from a market standpoint. Obviously, if you're trying to go buy a Bugatti off the lot, it's a million dollars. Like, obviously, right? So that's very discouraging. Mm-hmm. Unless you can get one from an auction. Still a Bugatti, I might need some work. The tires might be busted. The windows might not be there. The seats may be ripped up. We don't know what's wrong with it because mm-hmm. it's that auction. Something happened to decrease the value of this Bugatti. Maybe they're trying to recoup their cash. Maybe it was that a person had a, well, you can't get a note on a Bugatti, but figuratively speaking, for example, let's just say they had a note on it. Mm-hmm. They defaulted. And what are those things called? A repossession happened. They're reselling it. That's the same thing with auctions. Property auctions are the only place that you can get property below market value. And that is a real thing. Mm-hmm. So that actually is how I got a lot of my really cheap properties. Some of those properties, obviously, I got it market value, but still our market in Pennsylvania is much cheaper than you guys in California. Mm-hmm. But just for like the viewers that's listening, you can buy houses in cash for cheap from the auction. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about some other ways, too, just for the people who you know might not have capital. But yeah, so that's what I did because the realtor connected me with a financial advisor at first because they see me coming, this little girl with this money. Whoa, Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. So they sent me down with this guy. He's like, hey, yeah, so you just give me the whole thing. We'll put it in a Roth IRA. You come back when you're 50 and it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. I was like, huh? So what happens if I need it now? Oh, Mm -hmm. well, then you'll be penalized. We'll tax you here, there, everywhere. I was like, so I give you my money. And then when I ask for it back, I'm in trouble. Yeah, but you won't need it right now. You get it when you're 50. Now, keep in mind, my grandma that had passed, she died at 60. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, yeah, what? You want yeah. to go back door? I'm like, yeah, no, I ain't going to do that. No, that's not really a good idea. So, <laughs> oh, so they're looking at me like, well, what you going to do? And I remember, it was so arrogant now that I think about it. I shrugged my shoulders like Kanye. I'm like, I'm buying houses. Like, what yeah. you mean? <laughs> Literally, like, duh. Yeah. That was not that easy, but my mom was made up. I said what I said. So after that, the realtor was like, okay, wait, just meet one more guy. I'm like, yo, listen, for somebody else in the suit asking me for money, bro, save your time. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, it's an investor. And I was like, well, what's that? Hmm. He's like, yeah, so it's this guy. And he flips houses and he does this, and the third. And I was like, okay, sound like my type of guy. Let me see. We had a really informal meeting. We met at a coffee shop. And he said, hey, I heard that you wanted to buy houses. What's your budget? I'm like, I got 152. What you got for me? Yeah. Really like crazy. Because mm-hmm. why do you walk up and tell people exactly what you have? I didn't know. I was yeah. nervous. But he was really cool. And he's like, hey, if you don't mind me asking, you look really young. You know, where'd you get the money? I tell him. Yeah, so my grandma's house, I got 152. Where was it? Oh, it was at South Philly. He said, you sold it for 152? I was like, yeah. He's like, you know you could have sold that for 350? I was like, no. <laughs> Wait, the music stopped. I was like, huh? <laughs> what? Huh? Exactly. I'm like, what? So you missing 200,000. So someone got 200,000. Where am I 250? Where are you to been at with the extra 250? 250. 
you know what? I'm I probably would have maximized and did the same thing. I made that 250 back though within like two years. I made it back, so which is really good. But the first thing I wanted to know was how. So it was my question, well, where's my 250? What did I do wrong? And literally in a matter of maybe 10 minutes, he broke down equity. And how I could have pulled the equity out because it was that free, he broke down hard money loans. Yeah, you could have borrowed the money to fix it up and flip it. How's your credit? I was like, credit? What's that? Like, I don't know. Start talking to me about credit. Build your credit. Get secure cards. The more you secure, the better it is. Bad piece of advice. This is yeah. a disclaimer. The more you secure, it's not better. Okay, no. I secured $10,000 of my own money. And they didn't make it unsecured. So to get my 10000 back, I had to close the account. Bad deal. But that was my intro to credit. And I literally was a crash test dummy. I took off from there. Just that day, I think I got three houses from them, just the under contract part of it. I ended up closing on them a little bit later, but I got one that was had a tenant in there. So that's a turnkey. It was income producing. I inherited her. I got one of them that I call a tree house, my mm-hmm. beloved, 6,500. <laughs> it literally had a tree in it. Because I was buying sight unseen. Like some of the houses that I purchased, I make money off of them. I never even walked inside of them, which is crazy. But I was just like, I can afford them. You so know, let you, me so get you them. buy a house sight unseen and you're purchasing a home, you never see it. And then you turn around and sell it again. So now, yes, then I was actually holding because it was more for the stability. Mm-hmm. I didn't start getting into the selling of houses until I ran out of money. And then Monopoly kicked in. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm broke now. What am I going to do? Yeah. I got something that needs to be fixed. What am I going to do? Save all my tenant money? To, and I was like, nah, sell one, use the profits to buy another one or fix one that you have. And I kind of started shuffling my pieces around the board that way. So that's how my whole selling properties thing started for me. And then as I was going, each project was different. Each property was different. So I learned a new lesson each time. And it just started to become really black and white to me. And I realized how simple it was. Somewhere in there, the guy, the investor, he has a girlfriend. And they're still together to this day. And we are actually still friends all of these years later. But she was like, yeah, you can go to the auctions too. I was like, the auction? She was like, yeah. And I was like, that's the place that put the letters on my grandma's door before. Because mm-hmm. my grandma's house was always for sale. Mm-hmm. Something happened. They saved it one way or another. I was like, auction, auction. Well, shit, they invited me anyway. Might as well show up. Part of my rent, right? Yeah. So I go to the auction. And it was just like a kid in a candy store. Like $600 properties, $1,000 properties. And they're like real properties. These are like houses. And yeah. I remember her going in with this like notebook. And she had like all of these rules and all of these do's and don'ts, a list of properties to bid on, da 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 da, da. And I remember ignoring the whole idea of what she had going on, just instinctually bidding, saying numbers. And I remember snagging the property for like $1,100. And I got a $1,700 property. He's like, how did you do that? And that was my first time. And yeah. it's intimidating, but I wasn't scared. It felt mm-hmm. right. It was so yeah. crazy to me. I was like in my element. But I instantly noticed, one, not many people looked like me. Two, and I mean, as a woman, as a black woman, as a young black woman, like I was way like, it was crazy. Yeah. Then I realized instantly, like the groups of people who were there, you had the like Asians, the Jewish people, they're the people with the hat and how they were like collectively in groups. And the black people that were there was spread out and they were bidding against each other. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking, okay, I just bought a property for $1,100. They don't even require you to give them the money up front. They give you 30 days to pay them for it. Right. Yeah. And I'm thinking, damn, I just bought a car a few months prior to that. I had money to buy a house all along. Yeah. So it takes me to have a pocket full of money to realize I didn't need a pocket full of money at all. So you can obviously just imagine my interest and my excitement with it. I'm telling everybody. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm getting like stupid questions. If it's that easy, why are everybody not doing it? Yeah. They are, just not you. Like, bro, I was there. <laughs> like, I was just in there. They buying your grandma house right now. Like, mm-hmm. let's go. Right. And so I just remember sharing and sharing and sharing and sharing, telling people, talking about it, picking up houses while I'm talking about it. And eventually people just started reaching out to me, like, oh my God, thank you. It worked. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah I just made 60000 I was like, oh, what? Yeah, I just made 200000 Because it's one thing for you to successfully conquer something. Yeah. It's another thing when your teachings are actually responsible for other people's success too. So this is a thing. This is their proven strategy. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, okay, I'll put a price on it. $50. Yeah. And do a console. $50. And I was like, okay, this is a business. And yeah. my grandma's name was Rose. So I named it Rosebud Investments. And mm. that's how the company just all came together. And it was crazy, man. Listen, um, I started off real small, just friends, relatives. Mm. Then it went to referrals and it started to grow and grow and grow. And then the power of Instagram, I'm putting up pictures of people winning $600 houses and they got the receipt. And then they're sending a folks. But the people on Instagram coming to me and it's like real organic. I take pride in it. I only have about 20 or 21,000 followers. But I built it organically. I haven't bought a follower. I rarely pay for shout out. This is real. She helped me. And they told somebody that I helped them and it grew. And I like love that. Mm-hmm. There's some black enterprise interviews. I did Yahoo Finance stuff. And this like organically grew. And I've been able to help so many families purchase homes. Like first time homeowners, not the 30 year mortgage, not the 680 credit score with the FHA, with the, none of that. Like straight out, you own something. And this is for you to do what you want with it. You can sell it to make some money. And then you have enough money to buy another one and do something different. Or you can buy it and hold it, rent it out and make residual income. Or you can buy it to move into it. Like it was just so many different opportunities that I was learning as I was going. So it's like every person that came to me, it became similar. You only have four different types of people, period. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, financially speaking. You have people who have money and no credit. You have people who have credit and no money. You have people who have both. Or you have people who don't have either of the two. It can't be anything outside of those four, financially mm-hmm. speaking. Like, this is it. So then you put a structure to it. And you're like, okay, what do I do with the people with the money? Boom. Fix your credit. What do I do with the people with the credit? Use the credit to get money. What do I do with the people who have both? Boss up. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, take this and make it work. What yeah. do I do with the people who don't have either? Then you teach them how to fish so that they can continue on. And there's it, it, a thing. You got people that just got bad credit. I'm like, that's the best credit to have because you know what you did wrong. Go fix it. Credit is to be manipulated. It is to be changed. It is to grow. It just feels so crazy because I had to live through it. That's mm-hmm. why it's like so great. I'm so passionate about it mm-hmm. because everything that I do talk about and teach, I did it. Like yeah. I personally experienced this. I'm like, no, this is how I did it. Yeah. So it makes it really cool and it makes it really fun. And just along the way, I've been able to like literally and gradually I changed my lifestyle. But I was always smart, like literally just now, December 2019, we purchased the primary residence that was the mortgage. But it's like, we got an elevator and the thing where they're building it. It's 6,000 square feet on two acres. I could fit the house I grew up in inside of this house, maybe five or six times, maybe seven, if we like move the cars out of the garage. That's crazy to me. I was able to retire my great-grandmother. My children, they have passport stamps. My daughter is three. She eats with chopsticks. They eat salmon and steak for this. This is a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's a complete different quality of living coming from a house that my grandma got from a Section 8 program back in her day. That was a dollar house. Sir. And I was able to change the whole narrative. So it's never like what you do. It's always how you do it. Any start. So it's a thing like, well, 
How many people actually own property? How many family members have property? How many people inherited property and said, I don't want nothing to do with it? You know how many times I heard that? I don't want yeah. nothing to do with it. I don't feel like being bothered. It's a headache. I don't feel like being bothered. And I had to argue with my family too, bro. It was worth it. I'm like a multi-millionaire now. I will argue with them again today if they decided to call me. Mm-hmm. Like if I had to do it all over again, I probably would argue with them harder knowing what I know, you know? Yeah. So I just see so many people like just kind of give up on themselves. And it's like, why? What do you get out of being average or not? Just literally walking around having absolutely no control over your life. What you make, how much you make, where you live is controlled by somebody else. It's not you. And that's just scary. And I think the coronavirus like literally woke people up to that. And I don't know how they didn't realize it before, but it's like, nope, you can't go outside. You can't go to work at all. Like, that's just it. Or, nope, you have to go to work. I don't care if you want to stay home with your kids. I don't care if you get sick. You have to go to work. Yes. How does that feel? You get what I mean? That's crazy. That's crazy. And for me, I just was in the house like, I'm bored. I had a baby during COVID. I hired a nurse and a midwife to come and deliver the baby at my house in my own comfort. Like, I was able to move around how I wanted. My tenants, I have no mortgage. So the ones who could pay, great. Cash me out. The ones who couldn't, I wasn't in a tight spot where, though, it was like, well... I need you to pay me because I have to pay a mortgage. I didn't have anybody down my back. I was able to operate in a capacity that I was comfortable operating at. Mm-hmm. I wasn't letting anybody play with me. But at the end of the day, I had I could be compassionate. You know, I didn't have a ton of overhead. So it just was crazy. And I just, you know, passed the message along every time I get a chance. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So I get so fired up when we had these talks. Hey, uh, this crazy. is all good stuff. I mean, what I'm thinking about is like, how financial literacy basically changed everything that you're Mm -hmm. talking about. Like, and you got that, you know, it wasn't something that you got out of a book. It was something that someone took time to tell you what you could do and you believed them and you started doing it. It And I just tried it. It's in the do, the sauce is in the do because you say it's financial literacy. I actually say it's lack thereof. I ain't know. I just wasn't afraid to find out. I ain't got nothing to lose. So let me just try it. And as I started to do things, I started to learn on my own. So when I hear people like, well, I don't have this. I don't have, that's not an excuse. Nobody taught me credit. Nobody talked to me about, start the conversation then. If nobody has that conversation with you, does that mean that it goes unsaid? Yeah. Like, I just feel like there's a level of accountability that needs to be had at that point. Because I hear a lot of excuses about what people didn't teach us. We wasn't given this stuff. We don't have a service one. I'm not a trust fund kid. So make some. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what you going to do? We're going to talk about what we don't have all day or we're going to go out and find it. And I've always had that level of leadership in me. It's early on. I remember being in school doing group projects and I'm the head of the, so it's like the have and have not to a sense, but it's not money. It's like either you have the mindset or you don't. That's how I look at it because it's not, it was never what I didn't have. It was always how could I. Like I remember being young, getting on a bus and just driving through different neighborhoods. I would take the bus from one stop all the way to the next just because I wanted to see what it looked like. Literally. Most people didn't do that. You become a product of your environment or you create an environment that you want to produce what you need. That's it. To me, like, and it's really one or the other. I think we overcomplicate this whole life thing. Take it way too serious. We ain't going to make it out anyway. So you might as well do what you can while you're here. Life. No one makes it out alive. Ever. Don't make it out alive. I love this. And the casual way that you talk about it makes it even more like enticing. Like, man, she's making it sound like we could just go get a house. So I yeah, know. You can. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. Like, and so I know that when you're talking to people, how do you deal with people that think, oh, 
she's just saying that there's no way she can really do that. You can't go buy a house for a thousand dollars. You can't go, you can't do what she's saying. What do you say to those people? Cause I know they're out there. Tons of them. I don't say it. I mean, unless you're listening, come to me, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. That's it. I showed you. Like, you see, we yeah. had our little prerequisite. Yeah. Fact check me. Yeah. Fact check me. <laughs> yeah. I want you to know who you're talking to. This you can put some respect on it. Yeah, I, I, you pull up some things, and yeah. I found you, you. I was able to show you exactly what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Because you can't refute facts. I said what I said. It's right there in your face. And we found, what, some $2,000 properties? And I knew exactly where to look for mm-hmm. them. And I took you directly to them because I don't, I'm not here to convince you. Like, yeah. I mean, like if you want to do it, like I'm on the train and it's moving. Yeah. I'm telling you that I got seats left. Yeah. So if you want to get on it, come on. If not, I mean, you know, you're going to see me one way or another. Might so be watch it the leave, right? You. <laughs> yeah. But you do have those people just because they don't believe it for themselves. They don't believe it for themselves. And you know, I, it's all a mindset thing for me because it's not motivation. Not every day is a good day and it's hard. Once you hit a different tax bracket, bruh. Yeah, <laughs> like, you got different problems, right? It's not yeah, always the every same. Every level has different devils for sure, but it still has to happen. I mean, I read a quote. I don't know where it came from. I think I saw it on Instagram. It says it's a struggle to be broke, but it's a struggle to be rich. Both yeah, is hard. You pick your struggle. You know, and then it actually becomes a thing and you kind of, you know, got to decide what's best for you. I'm still sitting here and I, like every time we talk, I'm sitting here like I need to go buy like 25 houses right now. And then I'm like, well, maybe I should just buy one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, But I know I need to do something. And so I'm going to take the advice you gave me. I'll let the listeners do what they will with that. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. What are your thoughts on overcoming obstacles while creating generational wealth? Just talk to us about okay. that. Oh, that's a real heavy question. I feel like it's inevitable. I feel like challenges are made to be met. I feel like, well, see, I'm lying. Let me take a bit. I don't look at problems as problems. Like, literally, my mindset is really one of optimism. I am a very optimistic person. Like, it's crazy. It's like, I always look at things on the bright side all the time. I feel like life doesn't happen to me. It always happens for me. So if something is happening, it's supposed to. And I kind of go with the flow, and I'm a huge problem solver. Like, obviously, that comes with the being older thing. You got to figure it out. You're the oldest. You figure this out. Like, so that's pretty much instilled in me. I feel like we have obstacles every day, but you can't die. Like, you, get, you have to see it through. You have to figure it out. And then once you conquer it, it makes you stronger enough to go to the next level and advance at that level. You know, and you kind of just, it's like having a little bag and you pick up little jewels along the way and then you get to use them and apply them in different areas in your life. But I really don't acknowledge like struggle or obstacles or like failure even. I always say either I win or I learn. This is not, I never lost anything ever. I mean, if I lost it, it was never mine. I didn't have it, right? How do you actually lose something? Unless you have it and it's gone. But you know, when it comes to knowledge and basic experience, that can't really happen. You just got to make sure that you take in your lessons in every part of it. You have to make sure that you learn it as you go along and then that actually becomes a thing for you. So that's what I do. I I I just figure it all out as I go. What are the real truths that you would call about financial freedom from your point of view? Like some things that you just say that you found that are true when you achieve this level of financial freedom. You got some good questions. First of all, the first thing that I realized is that it's true. It exists. Mm -hmm. And it's not just for other people. Question was really good. I feel like I learned that financial freedom does exist. I feel like we do have certain setbacks because the game is rigged, but it's still a game. 
which means we can still play it. Right? I think a lot of people are just caught up and focused on a winning thing, especially as minorities, because we got this victim mentality and we've been through a lot. But we owe it to ourselves to overcome that. Like, we don't need approval or appreciation from anybody else. And I don't mean that to sound ignorant. I'm just saying, put yourself first. Forget, like, how you place or rank in other people's eyes. You got to do it for yourself. So I realized, one, that it's not really that hard. I realized that a lot of it is on us and the information is there. It's just the people that's like, it can't be that easy. Go, go find out for yourself. Go see. At least, that's the least you could do. Instead of being skeptical and just, it's not working. No, no, no. How would you know if you really didn't try? And I just realized like how easy it was to get how necessary it actually is. The Bible says people perish from a lack of knowledge. And I watch people perish every day. And I don't mean like just dying. I mean, literally, they'll go their whole life and not really have anything to show for it. You just was existing the whole time. You didn't live. You didn't get to see different countries. You, didn't, you don't know what it's like to be on a yacht. Yo, a lot of you not. I went on to, I've been on boats often. We go on boats a few times a year because we have children. And a lot of our children's birthdays fall in the same months as ours. And we don't, we're not celebrating a Chuck E. Cheese because it's my birthday too. So we got to go on the boat, right? Because you get to do different things. I got on a boat the other day, this last past weekend. And I was like, I'm going to buy a boat. I'm talking to the, the captain. Like I'm in there with the captain. Like I got pictures of me like fake driving the boat. It was crazy. But I'm like, well, well how much do boats cost? And he's giving me the rundown because I already know about fee simple and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, if I get a deck, I own the water up until this point, right? And he's like, yeah, how do you know? I'm like, I do real estate, dude. Like, so give me the drop on a boat. How is it? I said, because this is my um five to 10 year goal. I want a jet. That's my 15 to 20 year goal. He said, well, no, for a boat. I said, you do real estate. It shouldn't take that long, five to 10 years. I was like, no, but you know, I purchase things in cash. I'm not in the financing. He's like, no, no, no. It's about $5,000. You can pretty much do timeshare with a yacht. Like you'll be part owner of this boat. You can get it whenever you want. It's your boat. Da da da. You running the deal to me. I was like, you know how many people will be like dying to get on a boat, or don't even know they can afford to get on a boat, and I can be part owner of a boat. That's crazy, but you don't know because you don't put yourself in places to expose yourself to those elements or those type of people or those type of conversations. Right? I'm a friendly person. I speak to people. I talk to them. I want to know what you know. And I can exchange my knowledge for yours. That's how you grow as a people, like as a whole. And yeah, I'm not biased to that. I will learn from anybody. The trash man can teach me something that I didn't know. Anybody can teach me anything. And I'm like real eager to learn. I'm just one of those people. That's awesome because you have to have that ability to learn from anybody. Like once you get to that place where you think, oh, I've noted, I've arrived, I've achieved Mm -hmm. some level of whatever you think it is, recognition, success, money, whatever it is that you're looking for and you achieve that and then you stop taking advice i think that's when you stop learning yeah. you stop growing that's it for you it's done that's your last that time you gotta understand you can only take yourself as far as you can you know to go that's it couldn't agree with this. what else you gonna do it's like you, okay i know how to get here but if you don't know how to get past there then you stuck at that destination period that's it you drop so many gems here there's a lot of stuff to digest a lot of it about mindset a lot about overcoming a lot about, you know, the, the theme has been mindset. And as you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And so we've heard just a phenomenal story of overcoming. Like seriously, like you overcome obstacles and just moved them out of the way and kept your blinders on and stay focused. But what continues to motivate you to grow and learn and lead? Just because... I see other people who buy houses for the first time and they cry because they didn't know it was possible and I help them. Just because I'm 26 and I'm a multimillionaire, so what else is there? 
can I be a billionaire? Tyler Perry just became a billionaire. Not many of us. Let me just see. This is my wanting to know what else is out there. So like, I have the willingness to go further. Like, I, that's it for me. Um, just knowing for my kids, they are not going to run the same race that I'm running. Period. People just go get an LLC, slap a business name on it with an EIN, and they're an entrepreneur. That's a job. I don't want my children to go live your life. I don't want you to have to do consults forever. Like, I, don't, I want you to do what you want to do. So I got to get to a level that's so high, right, <laughs> that they have options, multiple, so then you can afford to try and sell. You can afford to make mistakes because a lot of us are born in a situation where we can't really afford to make mistakes. I'm going to be honest, and I do sympathize with that. But I feel like we have the opportunity to change the trajectory of it. And I think that is the reason why I put the story out there. I'm very transparent. I don't mind telling the how, the what, but, you know, my story can actually be the guiding light for somebody else's through there. So that's my reasons why. I love it. Do you think education plays a big part in wealth building? Yeah, to an extent. I don't mean formal education. I dropped out of college and now I make more than my professors. And I got friends that actually have degrees and they're in debt. And they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, you pay all that shit off for my friends. I paid my student loans off. I was like, bye. Who's a Sally night? I don't know. Whoever they were. Like, mm-hmm. Boom. Because you go to college and then you, sometimes you can get a, a you know career in your field. I feel like for certain things it's necessary, like doctor, lawyer, stuff like that. You know, I don't knock people for that. But for the people who are just like majoring in communications and economics, like, I know so many people who are economic majors and don't understand shit about the economy. At all. <laughs> like, at all. Like, well, I'm there's so only two jobs you got. My vulgar language. No, you're good. It's, it's, it's like, nothing. Yo. But if you think about it, the only two jobs you can have and always be wrong and keep your job is a meteorologist and economist because you don't know what's going to happen. You just say whatever you want. They don't have to know. Oh, you can just make it up. You just go on the fly. So I'm like, yo. So now you have these degrees. And because for me, I was just, I'm a realist. So I wanted to be a clinical child psychologist. I like children. I wanted to, you know. I said, are you going to be a doctorate? No. So you might as well just leave. All the gen eds and all these girls, are you going to finish? Just stop now. Right? Most people don't give themselves the right. They don't give themselves permission to be free and to make decisions. They live based off of what other people think they should be doing. I don't care what other people think I should be doing. Now you're stuck with that debt. Nobody else help you pay it. You can't even buy a house because your debt to income ratio is way too high. So the American dream is now a nightmare for you. And I'm over here like, I could buy a degree and just like put it on the walls. It can make me feel better, but I don't need to. (laughs) Like I get to live life on my own terms. And then if you take a bigger look at a lot of the wealthy people or a lot of the elitists, some of them have degrees, but they went back after because it was a notch they had to put under their belt. It wasn't like they got rich because they had this education. No. And experience is the best teacher we're going to learn in a formal setting with lecture classes with somebody, your brain is melting out your ears. Like, oh, for me, it's a no, but I'm not knocking anybody who takes that path. It's surprisingly you know? that that is something that's under our overarching theme, that it doesn't, people are saying that you do need education, but you don't need it in the part of formalized education. You just need to be learning somehow. Yeah. You got to learn. You're like, you live in this world. It's like when you first get a new car, you got to learn how to drive it. Which button, how does it work? That's me. I just bought a Tesla. Oh man, this shit, I'm this, this car, my language, Jesus. It's giving me such a hard time. I love it. Boiling cash is a Tesla X. I promise you, it is nothing short of amazing. It's almost suspicious. But I keep forgetting to charge it. So I'm driving, and it's like, you need more charging to reach your destination. So I'm like, huh? Yesterday, I was stuck. I had to tell my friend to bring me her charger. You know how soon as like your phone died, you're like, can I borrow your charger? Yo, I had to call my friend. I got a Tesla. She's out of town in Miami. But you know, the Tesla got the app, so she popped the trunk from her phone 
right? Yeah. That's crazy. Like, I'm in Pennsylvania. She by Miami. She opened the truck. We got the charger. I took it back. I charged it up. And then I kept going. It was a learning lesson for me. Because you got to learn. <laughs> yeah. Everything you're a part of. I said that to say, I'm never going to leave the house without my charger. So next day, I'm going to make your car keys, car charger. Yeah. Like, you know, so but everything is a learning experience. Everything is a learning experience. But why walk around in the world and learn how to talk about the semantics of it, the sun goes down. Don't you really want to know how it really, really works? Exactly. I like that. As we wrap up here, if you would offer a piece of advice to the listeners, what would you tell them? In the wise words of Uncle Luke, I would say, don't stop. Get it. Get it. Is that Uncle Luke? <laughs> yeah, that's Uncle Luke. That's Uncle Luke. Hey, Uncle Luke. No, I'm serious, though. Don't stop. Get it. Get it. Meaning, don't stop. Literally, every day is something. It's a journey for you. Keep at it. Set, keep going. Every day that you wake up, you got the right to change. All that Monday, work in the same routine. Roll out the bed, put your feet in the slippers, brush your teeth, wash your face, get in the car, go to work. You do not have to live like that. You have to understand. As humans, we are amazing. You know how much it takes to be born, like to actually be a person? Now you're here to do nothing, like to be regular, to just fall into this mundane category that somebody on top of you created. Why? Because you allow that for yourself. I say go get everything that's for the taking. Everything out here you can have. You just got to go figure out how to do it. And don't stop until you figure it out. Don't stop until you figure out how to get it, get it. That's a real thing. I just like to play a lot, but I'm serious. That's a real thing. Because I want people to sing it in their head while they, they keep them motivated. Like, she said, don't stop. Get it, get it. Because it ain't going to be easy. Yeah. But it's going to always be worth it. It's not going to be easy, but it'll always be worth it. I like that. If people want to get more from Jamisa and see what you're doing, what, what social medias are you active on? Where can they find you? I'm horrible. Instagram. Facebook as well, Rosebud's Investments. So both words are plural. Rosebud's has an S, Investments has an S. So that's my Instagram. Facebook is Rosebud's Investments. My website is www.rosebudsinvestments.com. I have what's called Rosebud's University. I got over 50 classes for beginners, how to be a landlord, how to be a Section 8 landlord, how to make a million dollars from one house, you know, doing personal care homes, transitional housing how to do deeds, how to read contracts. Like I got so many things. There's no excuse for you to not know how. I literally pour all of my information just into different things. I hear, go listen to this, go read that. I make ebooks sometimes, you know, when I get a moment. Because the information is there and it's to be patronized, it's to be used to your advantage, it's to prosper from, it's there, it's there. Awesome. You know what? This has been fun. Like we talked last time, we had a great time. This time has been great. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for sharing all of your wealth of knowledge with the listeners today and with people that you're just sharing in general. Like, I really, really appreciate that and admire the work that you're doing and is definitely going to partake in some of the work that you're doing and include that yeah. in some of my we portfolio. Find those houses yeah, no, we, yeah, we're going to get those. So, but thank you. Thank you. And no as I said before, this is the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Until next time, take care. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks but I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA 
or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.